God is with us today, amen? So good and so powerful to hear the stories and to be in his presence. Uh, we are looking at this idea of with or without me. Can you say that with me? With or without me. Uh, maybe you're like me. I'm a child of the 80s, so some of you may, when you hear that phrase, think of a song. Anybody? Okay, I'm dating myself. Can you hear it? Oh, oh, wow. Now we'll sing, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, every time I've ever heard that song, I've had that thought of like, is it actually pointing to this deeper reality that with or without you, that, that you give yourself away? I've always wondered, like, was that about Jesus? Uh, because as we look at this today and think about it, there's some things that you think you need in your life that you can't live without. In fact, right now, just take a minute. What, what are some of those things that that you feel like, I can't live without this. Tell your neighbor, in fact, quietly, not, not shouting so everybody can. Tell your neighbor, what's something you feel like you can't live without? I, uh, this morning, as, as you tell, I, I decided I'm going to see what Google has to say. Anybody else go to Google quite often? And so I, I wanted to see what was the top hit uh, and, and it was actually these 51 things you can't live without. This on my search engine was the top one. Uh, listen to this list of 10 things uh, that they say people can't live without. Sunshine, the internet, caffeine, resilience, thought that was actually kind of deep, water, breath, books, love, a phone, I actually would like to live without mine sometimes, wouldn't you? And then pets. And uh, that's the top, top 10. It was, I, I looked at the rest of the list, and in those 51, there was nothing about faith and nothing about God. So I just want to let you know, like, we're going a different direction with what we actually need in order to live today. We're looking at this with or without me and what Jesus offers and the life that he makes available. In John 15, that's where you can go if you want to turn in the scriptures. In verse 1, it says this. These are Jesus' words declaring who he is. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. This is one of seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. This is the seventh, actually. As he makes that, these I am statements to us declare identity. To them, it was identity and divinity. They would have recognized likely that Jesus, in using the word I am, was declaring that he was Yahweh and the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. This seventh statement is a deep one because it points to this idea that Jesus, if you're taking notes, is the source of life and that we, the church, are a living organism. The church of Jesus Christ, the body of believers, brothers and sisters in the Lord are a living organism. We are not a building. We might have them. We're not an institution. We may have some organization like one, but we are meant to be a living organism. The church in scripture and other places, here's a few other reminders of how this plays out. It is called the body. In Ephesians chapter 4, relates to our body. 1 Corinthians 12 says that as well. 
living organism. Secondly, uh, the church is called the bride, that, that we're actually the bride of Christ. That, that, and, and you think of any good marriage is, is living, right? It's alive, it's active, it's dynamic. Anybody? Okay. Living stones in 1 Peter 2. Scripture says that, that you and I are living stones. Jesus is the cornerstone. And then John 15, as we're looking at today, you're going to see that Jesus is the source and he's the vine. He's actually the vine and that has uh, deep implications for our lives. Verse 2 through 6, it goes on. It says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Say abide. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5 is kind of the the key to a lot of, of what we're talking about this morning. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Say nothing. That doesn't feel good, does it? If anyone, verse 6, does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you're taking notes, without Jesus, nothing is possible. That, that actually, our lives, if lived apart from and not with Jesus, can lead to nothing. Now, it may look like something, It may look like something that we've intended and hoped for and dreamed of and pursued and chased. But in the end, what Jesus is saying is that that actually is nothing because it isn't bearing the eternal fruit, the fruit that God designed us for. That's a very sobering reality, isn't it? And and as he talks about the vine and vine dressers, there's another spot, multiple spots in Scripture, where where it talks about this. And I want to show you one of those in Isaiah chapter 5, because the people that would have been hearing this in this day and age, when Jesus is saying this, would understand that the nation of Israel, the people of God, had been called the vine. He was the vine dresser. They were a part of this vineyard. And in Isaiah chapter 5, picking up in verse 1, it describes the situation of nothing that they were in. It says, let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved in a vineyard on a very fertile hill, he dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst and hoed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, but briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of the house, or the Lord of 
host is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. This is a sobering moment because, again, nothing is possible. And for some of us, you know, life for you, often we're trying to climb and to get somewhere, yeah? And, and wherever your ladder is and whatever you've been climbing after and for, you know, the, the question is, is it, is it leaning up in a part of the right thing? Because we can be striving and climbing for something while actually experiencing and achieving nothing. How high will he go is the question right now, right? Uh, some of you are so nervous because you know me. <laughs> and, and here's the thing, right? There is, am, I, am I on camera frame right now for the online folks? Hey, they, they, what's up? I'm way up here. Um, and so it is possible that you could be trying to climb a ladder of success, right? Career achievement. Uh, maybe it, it's the next promotion, the next job. And you're climbing after that. Or maybe it's relational that when your kids achieve a certain level, you'll feel like then I'll be satisfied. That'll be something. Maybe it's something in a, in a marriage or it's actually meeting somebody because you're in singleness. Maybe it's actually uh, in, in your faith. You're like, okay, when I can give a certain amount of time or tithe or whatever it looks like. And, and the reality is that actually if we do that apart from Christ, nothing is possible. Years ago, I heard somebody say, you know, is your ladder leaned up against the right thing? And I actually think while that's a good question, it's actually not what we're getting at today. That actually, I think what we're getting at today is that we take the ladder, the things that we're after and wanting to believe are going to make us something, and we actually surrender and submit it to Jesus, that we lay it at the foot of the cross, and we say, listen, apart from him... Nothing is possible, but with him, submitted and surrendered to him and doing life with him, it changes everything. There is such great possibilities when we do life with Jesus. And whatever he shows you as your next step up your ladder or whatever it looks like, that's what matters. It's not what we come up with. We're not climbing to God, Jesus has come to us and offers us himself right where we're at. It's about surrendering our something to Jesus. Amen? Now, as we look at this, D.A. Carson said this about John 15. He said, the truth is that John is speaking of the union of believers with Christ, apart from whom they can do nothing. This union, originating in his initiative, so it's God initiating, is sealed by his death on their behalf. It is completed by those believers' response of love and obedience, and this is the essence of Christianity. It's all about this with God life that he invites us into and connects us to be a part of, and let's look at what it means again in John 15, verse 4 and 5. It says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing." 
So with or without me, with Jesus, much is possible. Much is possible, and it's promised that literally as we read and look at this today, we're going to see that to be abiding in Jesus is to receive the promise that he has and that much is actually possible and promised. Now, there were some words that you may have noticed in this passage about what it means and what it looks like. There's a promise and a process that, that comes with it. I want to show you this. The promise and the process, the first is the fruit. There's actually mentioned here that we'll bear fruit. It's promised. Uh, in fact, I, I would submit to you, you'll see as we read today, that actually God desires us to abide and do life with him and to bear much fruit. He actually wants us to to do something significant and to bear fruit for his glory. So what is that fruit? It's the fruit of the Spirit. You can look that up in Galatians 5. That's a part of it. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. I think I got the nine. Did I do okay? Okay. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's also good works. It's good works that we do as salt and light that bear fruit in our world. So this is the fruit that each of us with him are designed to bear if we're abiding in him. Amen? But there's another word in that passage, pruning. We don't like to be pruned. Some of us are flat out resistant and rebellious and don't like the pruning process. But to bear fruit, any gardener knows, not that I am one, but I've read about them, that, that actually you have to prune in order for something to bear fruit. Pruning, if you think of it this way, it's God clearing off and cleaning up in order for us to grow healthier and produce more fruit. It's actually a picture here of a rose bush being uh, pruned. And th- those roses are beautiful. And, and you may want to, like, if you think about what the pruning process for a rose bush would look like, if it's not pruned, it begins to grow inward. It begins to actually grow inward away from the light that it needs to be healthy and t- inward towards itself. The thorns actually can help it tangle and get even more away from the nutrients and things that it needs. So the pruning process actually begins to open it back up so that it can grow outward into the light that it needs. And so there's a clearing up and a cleaning off. Let's just sit in this for a minute. There may be some things that as you embrace your relationship with the Lord, as you begin to receive his love and he begins to show you your next step, that he says, hey, this was okay for you or was good for you for a while or maybe you knew it was never good for you. And the Lord is saying, I want to prune this from your life. I want to prune the pain. I want to prune the brokenness. I want to prune this behavior, this thing that you turn to. And here's why it matters. Because God has more for us and better for us and fruit that he wants to bring out. But just like in gardening and and horticulture, there has to be pruning. He's got to prune some things in our life too. Can I get an amen? Anybody who's been through it? Okay. And, And here's the thing. When we submit to that and we allow him to prune, there's good that comes out of it. Uh, Hebrews 12, 11, uh, says this, 
For the moment of discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You could actually, if, if this is where God's speaking to you today, spend more time in Hebrews 12. There's actually a number of verses that talk about the discipline, loving discipline of the Lord and how he uses that to prune things out of our life so that we can bear greater fruit. Now, the next word, so you have fruit and then prunes and then the word abide, and I had you say it for a reason. It's the, the Greek word meno. It means stay, abide, or remain. Stay, abide, or remain. And what's interesting is there's, there's two tenses of it used here in verse 4 and 5. Verse 4 is the constant one that when Jesus comes into our life, we are now abiding in him eternally. That, that we are saved, if, if you want to use that language, rescued by him, we're abiding in him until he returns or until we go to be with him. But the second aspect in verse 5, the tense is actually ongoing and it indicates an active process of abiding. That actually we have this thing called a flesh. Anybody? <laughs> is yours as strong as mine? No, it's not. Okay. Well, pray for your pastor. So, so we have this flesh that sometimes gets in the way. And, and that's the ongoing active work of the Holy Spirit that we have to submit our flesh to the Spirit to abide and remain in step with what the Lord is doing and what God has. That is an ongoing process of remaining uh, theologian N.T. Wright says this about this idea. He says, the urgent question then is this, how do we remain, how do we remain or abide in him? What does it look like in practice? Both of the meanings above come into play. We must remain in the community that knows and loves him and celebrates him as its Lord. There is no such thing as a solitary Christian. See, we've been talking about this entire passage as if you're the vine, or he's the vine, and you're the only branch. But we're not isolated in our faith. We're actually grafted in to the vine as a part of the family of God. There is no such thing as a solitary Christian. That rubs against much of what we're taught in modern American Christianity. Anybody? Oh, it's quiet. He says, we can't go it alone, but we must also remain as people of prayer and worship in our own intimate, private lives. So what he's saying is a passage like this abiding to them then, to us today, should mean that we're abiding with one another as a part of the family and the living organism called the church but we're also doing our part to intimately and individually worship and grow in the word and abide in him. It's a both and, okay? Uh, back in June, we had a, a really kind of incredible moment. Uh, it was uh, on the 12th. It was during one of our services where we just offered a few questions and a survey about discipleship here at Pathway. And in that survey, the results astounded us. 
Uh, I did not expect to see what I saw, which was a church that is absolutely hungry to abide and to be in discipleship with one another. There was actually that day 86 people that took the survey and said, I'd even be willing to be a group leader or to help facilitate what it means to abide in community together. That was pretty incredible. So as a result, we're inviting all of you to come to a discipleship dessert. We have a slide here on uh, August 24th. This is an opportunity, if you're ready to learn about what does it mean to abide in the body of Christ, where is pathway headed? In fact, if you're in a group, you're leading a group, you're teaching a class, you're in a class, or you've thought about it, by the way, we know life groups are a need around here and we wanna get them up and running again, this is what this is all about. We're inviting you, like I would love, we're gonna have dessert in the cafe, we're gonna meet in here in the main area, Sign up today so we know how much food to get, but we should really be ready for this. I think it's time, church, amen? amen? This is what it means to do life together and part of that abiding. So you can sign up at that link, uh, pathwayvb.com dessert. Now, as we talk about abiding and bearing fruit, and it's a promise, the next 10 verses, 7 through 17, is where I'm actually going to land the plane and finish today, if you will. And as we look at this, there's seven things that stand out to me that are a promise. And if, when we actually abide in Christ, we bear fruit and we get to experience more than we would normally experience. These seven things are absolutely game changers. They're incredible and they're offered to each of us. Are you ready? I feel like a salesman, but I'm... <laughs> I'm, literally, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just trying to show you like how good God's word and plan is. That when we are with him, oh, and without him, man, I've been there. There's moments where I'm tempted. Without him, though, it is painful, it is dark, and it is why we live in a jacked up world. Can I use that word? All right. So let's see what he offers us when we abide. Verse 7 says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You see what I'm saying, how good this is? With me, he says, these things are yours. These things are possible. Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. 
So seven things that we're told we'll experience that are promised if we abide with him. First is, you may have noticed it, uh, if you're taking notes, answered prayer. Actually, in verse 7 and 16, Jesus is saying, if you abide in me, and why is that? Because if you know someone, you're likely going to know what they want. You're likely going to know what they desire. If you abide and know God, then your prayers are going to reflect God's heart, God's plan, God's will for your life and those around you. It's that abiding that leads to the answered prayer. We begin to pray according to the things God wants, not just what we want. But see, if we're still over here climbing a ladder that's ours, we're asking God to bless our will, and maybe those prayers aren't getting answered because we haven't surrendered that to what he wants. Does this make sense? Come on, church. Stay with me. I'm going to move quick here, and we're going we're to land this thing. But I don't want us to miss what's available because there is more to this walk with Jesus than just showing up to a church service or showing up to a Bible study. Those matter, but they're meant to move us to this abiding life with Jesus and to bear the fruit that he has. That's the second thing, verse 8, that there's much fruit we're to bear for God's glory. This actually means your life was designed, he said in there, that he chose you and appointed you to bear much fruit for his glory. That's kind of exciting to think about. In a world often looking for purpose and wondering about the meaning, Jesus is saying, if you'll abide in me, your life will not just matter, it's going to make a significant difference. And that significant difference in our world, when you show up as the person you're supposed to be with Jesus there abiding in you, is going to give him great glory because people will say and see, oh, I know them. That ain't them. Oh, we, we, we don't want to allow people that opportunity? Let me just sit in there for a second then. You see, if everything is based on your ability and your strength and how good you are, that's pride. And that pride is going to get in the way of the actual fruit that God wants to bear through your life. It's actually, Paul said, in our weakness that he is strong. It's actually in, in our brokenness, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, the jar of clay, that his power is seen through us. You see, that's when we should be in a place of saying, it isn't, it isn't me. I'm just thankful that God is with me. Look at what God is doing. That's the fruit that we're looking for. Amen? Verse 3 is the Father's love. In John 15, he talks about this love, this unconditional love. And in a world that is often carrying father wounds, in a world that often has daddy issues, whew, the Father's love is meant to heal, to correct, to be poured out in a way that gives hope. And that's part of the abiding is you receive a love from the Father that even in the absence of an earthly father or maybe even with an earthly father that did his best but still in his brokenness caused some problems. I have four children. I am not a perfect father. My hope is they experience the heavenly father. He's the perfect one. And that love is what we all need. Fourth, and this one was a game changer for me, coming out of 
religion and surrendering my ladder to Jesus about 25 years ago. I, I had never saw or viewed God as anything but a benevolent dictator, if I'm honest. Yeah, he's kind, he's compassionate, I believe in him, he's, he's going to tell me what to do. But I never actually realized that one of the attributes of God and in, in seen in Jesus' life is joy. That actually joy is a part of what it means to know and to abide and to follow Jesus. And, and I, I think this is important because joy, Jesus is, is saying, is yours to the full if you abide with me. Dallas Willard, uh, another author and theologian, the late Dallas Willard, says this. He says, now Jesus himself was and is a joyous, creative person. He does not allow us to continue thinking of our father who fills and overflows space as morose and a miserable monarch, a frustrated and petty parent, or a policeman on the prowl. One cannot think of God in such ways while confronting Jesus. One of the most outstanding features of Jesus' personality was precisely an abundance of joy. This he left as an inheritance to his students, that their joy might be full. So one of the ways that we might know whether or not we're abiding with him is whether or not we have joy. It doesn't mean all your circumstances are good. It doesn't mean you're completely happy about life. Happiness is temporal and fleeting. Guess what joy is? It's abiding. It's eternal. It's present. It's it's there even in the face of suffering. If you're struggling with joy today, get with Jesus. If you're struggling with your mind around the idea of joy, get with the book of Philippians. It's an incredible short book, four chapters in the New Testament, that is all about Paul telling us how to find joy in the face of suffering. Joy is available to the full when we abide with him. Three more. Number five is a love for one another. You know, our mission as a church is to love God and love all people in our pathway. We're not going to be able to do that apart from abiding. I can remember about 15 years ago talking to an individual that said, I love God, I just hate people. <laughs> they were serious. And trust me, I, I walked with them for a number of years, and they lived that out. And it was hard, and it was painful, but I kept trying to help them see, like, those two don't go together. Okay? Some of us just got hit between the eyes. God is saying, let me prune some things. Let me get you with me and my love. And that love is meant to flow to one another. It'll change our church. It'll change our community. It is changing the world as people follow Jesus and live this. Sixth is a friendship with God. This is significant because for some of us, realizing that the God of the universe through Jesus Christ wants a real relationship with you, a friendship, is, is significant. That, that actually he wants to walk with you and, and be a part of your daily life and living. That he wants a relationship with you. That's important to, to realize that that friendship is available. And then lastly, God's plan and purpose that actually as we look at all of this, God has appointed you and has a plan and a purpose for you as you abide with him. And so the question really becomes, are we going to be with him or without him? And you may know about him, but not be doing life with him. 
So let me ask you three questions to close here. Are you doing life with or without Jesus? Like really, close the Sunday to Monday gap. Are you doing life with Jesus on your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday? Because what he offers you is so much better than what you're probably experiencing if you're doing it on your own. Again, nothing is possible. And there's a whole lot promised when we do life with Jesus. Secondly, what does Jesus need to prune today? And this may be one for you to really sit in. If you're married, to talk to your spouse. If, if you're you know, in a life group or in a small group, to talk to others around you to say, you know, I, I do think there's some things that God wants to prune out of my life in this season so I could bear more fruit. Third, which of the seven experiences, the things that we just laid out, should be your first step today? Is it the friendship with God? Is it the joy? You know, we got some grumpy Christians these days, don't we? Like, if you don't know which one to start with, I'm going to just tell you, as your pastor, I wouldn't mind if you started with that one. Because that might change my weeks. <laughs> but which of the seven do you need to step into and say, God, I want to abide with you and I want all that you promised. I'm going to pray over us and then we're going to have a chance to just respond with praise and worship. As we do this, the altars are open. You can stand, you can kneel, you can come forward, but I just want us to abide, to abide in what's available, to do life with him. So Father, right now, we just thank you we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your love. We just ask, Lord, that as we respond to you, that your presence would be here. Prune what you need to. Help us to abide in deeper and greater ways. May we be a people full of your love and joy. May we bear the fruit for your glory that you've appointed us to bear. So just be with us now. Holy Spirit, meet us as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. When we worship, the Spirit of God moves and speaks to us. The Bible says, I stand at the door and knock. Stand at the door of your heart and knock. Will you not open it for him as we close our time today? But go ahead and stand and allow the Spirit of God to show you what he's saying to you right now in this moment. Thank you. I'm 
God who is in control, who loves us, who knows us, who wants to walk with us and do life with us. We hope that you uh, have sensed and feel that invitation to whatever your next step is. If you're new and a visitor, uh, please come out to our welcome area. We have a gift for you. Any of you are welcome to, uh, to abide today, right? If you want to stay and, and linger in here, maybe talk to others or be prayed for, we're going to stay here and available. Parents, though, we're asking that you go get pancakes and get your children because it is that time. So to be clear, if you have a child, we don't want to pray for you right now. We want you to go get your kid. Um, there's a lot not coming out as well as I had hoped right now in this moment. But uh, hey, um, God is good. And uh, men, I'm calling you out. Come out tomorrow night. We have a cookout. We have a food truck. We've got cornhole, comedy, a chance to connect and hear about what's coming in the fall. And uh, women's brunch is coming in a couple weeks as well. So, Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you for your presence. May we abide with you. May we hear that invitation to do life with you. May you show up in new ways in our life as we love you and love all people. We just pray that, Father, your presence, your joy would overflow through us as we bear the fruit we were designed to. Prune anything that's needed and lead us forward with you, and we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Have a great week. Go down and be the church.